Welcome to the fourth season of PEBC's Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. My name is Michelle Morris-Jones, and I am honored to bring you these compelling conversations. This season's theme is scaffolding. Guests will be sharing all the ways in which we can create scaffolds for students, teachers, and schools that promote agency, equity, and understanding. Of course, we will continue to link these conversations to the strands of the PEBC teaching framework by focusing on community, planning, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment. Thank you so much for listening in. Everyone is well aware of the teacher shortage, but what are some solutions? How can we support vibrant and passionate individuals to become teachers? How might we best support our new teachers? I have three very special guests who are going to help unpack this issue and share their stories with us today. I am joined by John Kearney, who is the Director of Recruitment and Alumni Engagement for the PEBC Teacher Residency Program, along with two recent graduates, two brand new teachers to the field. We have Nicole Herrera and Shar Brock joining us as well. Welcome everyone. It's so great to have you today to join me on the Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. Let's start with a quick round of introductions and then we'll dive into the topic of teacher recruitment and preparation. But let's quickly share who we are um, and you know our roles in schools and then something we love about teaching. And this will help all of our listeners get to know us before we dive into this really, really important conversation. Nicole, do you mind starting us off today? Yeah, um, my name is Nicole Casillas, and I did the resident programs, those two different programs, and I teach at Kip Denver Northeast Leadership Academy. I will be teaching uh, four AP government classes and one ninth grade world history class. That's great. And Nicole, what's your favorite thing about teaching? Um, I would have to say the growth I actually see in kids. You see from like the small things, whether it's like the relationships or some academic things, or all of a sudden they do care about school and they do want to graduate. It's their celebrations that keep you going whether you're having a good day or bad day. So that really is my favorite part is just seeing them grow as, as young people. Uh, thank you. And it sounds like you're joined by a young person today as well. Yes, I'm so sorry. My sitter wasn't here, so um, I'm trying to keep him over there, but it's not really working. <laughs> no, we are so glad to have you and your voice today and just the reality that we're all people and we're teachers and oftentimes we're also parents too. So welcome you and your little person. Char, let's you. you. Hi, I'm Charlene Brock and I went through the TORs, so the teacher of residency program through PBC, and I'm an interventionist helping with credit recovery and an algebra one teacher at Englewood High School. And my favorite part of being a teacher is really helping students to gain a valuable skill. In this case, it was math. Um, that was the primary focus. And to have a skill they'll be able to use throughout their lives and also to be able to gain a really strong sense of themselves so that they have the confidence when they're done with high school to be able to go out and make a contribution to their communities. Oh, sure. Thank you so much. And thank you for helping all of those young mathematicians. I can't wait to hear more about your experience today and the ways in which you build agency. You know, that STEM identity is so important. And, you know, we have Nicole really tackling that, you know, social studies realm, which is so important right now. And Shar, we get to hear from you from the math side and I'm gonna turn it over to John though. So John, let's let's hear a little bit about you. What is your role and what do you love about teaching? 
Sure, thanks, Michelle. Um, so my name is John Carney, and I am the Director of Recruitment and Alumni Engagement for the PEBC Teacher Residency. So um, get to recruit uh, fantastic pre-service educators like Nicole and Shar, um, and, uh, you know, serve all the different geographic regions throughout Colorado that, that we're located in. Um, I am an educator myself. That's still a, a big part of my identity. Uh, I was a, a social studies teacher for nine years before joining PEBC. Um, so I think my favorite part about being a teacher, number one, is just the relationships that you build with students. Um, I think that, you know, they, you quickly learn that, that they teach you, they surprise you. Um, and, and I also love like kind of these, these rare transformative experiences that you can have as an educator where, you know, you may have two or three consecutive tough days and then um, all of a sudden you just have this moment that you could not have in any other profession. Um, and usually it has to do with, with kids doing great things and surprising you. So uh, that's my favorite part. Wow, thank you. You know, I think we, everyone tapped into just that magic that happens in classrooms and is, uh, you know, and also the hard work. And so we don't want to, you know, kind of, have an unrealistic picture of what it's like to be a teacher, what it's like to become a teacher. And so today's conversation is really all about recruitment and preparation. Um, you know, we hear so much about the teaching shortage and we know that here in the state of Colorado, uh, there's actually a lot being done to recruit teachers and to support them in those classrooms so that we have that really, really vibrant teaching force that we know we need for all of our students. So John, I'm gonna just, ask you to start by setting some context for our listeners. Um, some of the listeners are here in Colorado and others might be listening nationally, but maybe just a bit about the PVC teacher residency program itself. And then in what ways is teaching becoming more of a reality for people than it ever has before? Absolutely. So I might start with a very brief history lesson. Um, I'm a former history teacher, so uh, I'll try to keep it short. I know that's sometimes hard for us to do. Uh, but, you know, the, the idea of teacher residency is, is fairly new. Um, the PEBC teacher residency launched in 2004, um, and we're one of the oldest residencies in the country. Um, and it's, you know, based on that idea of the medical residency model. And prior to alternative pathways, such as, as clinical residencies, if you wanted to, you know, transition careers and become a teacher, you really only had one option, and that was to go back to college. Um, and for a lot of people, that was, was a daunting task, um, you know, both from a time perspective and from a financial perspective uh, to, to re-enroll in college. Um, so alternative routes developed, um, such as clinical residencies, and the PEBC teacher residency was, was formed on this idea of how can we professionalize teaching, um, because we know that teaching is difficult, um, and it requires uh, a really distinct skill set. Um, so you know, one of the things that we wanted to do is kind of debunk this notion of kind of the stereotypical student teacher, you know, go make me copies type of thing. Um, we knew that having two adults in a classroom can be really beneficial for kids too. Um, so we really wanted to create a, a model where a, a new teacher to the profession would learn alongside a veteran teacher, not underneath them, but truly alongside them. 
um, just as in the medical residency model where the, a medical resident is a valued member of a medical community, um, a, a teacher resident is a valuable member of a school community. Um, so our residents uh, are with their mentor teacher uh, all school year, kind of gradually taking on more and more responsibility as the year progresses. Um, so, you know, we always knew it was a fantastic model. Um, the issue was that unlike medical residents, we were really unable to pay these folks. Right. Um, so, you know, we were asking folks to take a year out of the workforce to learn how to become a teacher. Um, and, you know, back in 2018, when I started at PEDC, we were only able to offer a $1,500 stipend for folks to, you know, engage in this work, which for a lot of people was just a non-starter. Um, so, you know, what we did uh, is we, we just hustled. And, um, you know, PEBC has a fantastic policy arm of our organization that advocates for the needs of teachers at the state level. Um, and, you know, one of the things we did is we just went to, you know, Capitol Hill in Denver and said, this isn't working. Like we need to, if we're going to treat these teachers like professionals, we need to pay them like professionals. Um, and really over the last year, uh, we have seen a commitment from the Colorado State Legislature uh, that is allowing folks to, to do this in a more sustainable way. Um, and I'm really happy to say that we're at a point now where we can almost offer um, our residents a first year teacher's salary to do this program, um, which, which has been amazing and it's created a, a ton of access. Um, and then the last thing I'll talk about is our teacher of record pathway, which is the pathway that, that Shar went through. Um, just like we know that differentiation is important for students, we know that, that our teachers come to us with different levels of experience. Um, so I know Shar had some experience working in schools before pursuing licensure with PEBC. So for her, you know, the full residency experience might have been more programmed than, than she needed. And I'll, I'll let Shar, of course, speak to this. Um, but, you know, uh, we wanted to create a pathway where a person could be a lead teacher if they came to us with some experience working with youth. They would still get the support of the residency. Um, but they would, you know, be earning a salary and benefits through their school while pursuing uh, licensure. So um, I would say, you know, the, the funding and uh, this new kind of innovative pathway are two ways that we're creating more access to the profession. Wow, John, thank you. So I think it's really interesting to hear the history of the teacher residency program and also knowing nationally that teacher residency programs are getting a lot of attention and, you know, the construct of prof professionalizing our profession shouldn't be new, but it is in some ways very innovative. And so it's exciting to hear about the ways in which you can differentiate the program, that there is some innovation and also the policy piece, um, really making sure folks are compensated in a way in which they can go about their lives and also you know, learn the skills and strategies to become great teachers. When you think about the PVC teacher residency program for you, John, like what makes it unique? Because you have a pretty good, you know, a handle on lots of teacher preparation programs, but what makes the work that you do or the work of the residency program more unique? Yeah, so I think a few things. Um, one is we just tend to attract a, a really diverse group of people, which I think is a lot of fun. People that come from, from different backgrounds and have different experiences prior to getting into the classroom, which I think is great for kids um, to, to see people who have had, you know, prior work experience doing a variety of really kind of um, important work. 
Um, I will also say that, you know, our residency is run by a group of people that truly believe in this model. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks who are in our, on our staff who went through the residency themselves. Uh, I was a mentor teacher in this program as a classroom teacher before joining PEBC. So there's a lot of investment in the program. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll let uh, Nicole and Shar talk to this, but I think the rigor of the program is something that also kind of uh, makes us stand apart from other programs. We really believe that kids need well-trained teachers. Um, so, you know, it is, uh, it's a manageable program, but it is, it's a difficult program and, and we expect a lot from folks and um, just because we think that we owe that to, to students. Um, and then finally, I'll just say the, the multiple layers of support that our residents receive. So, um, you know, they have a mentor teacher, they have what we call a manager of resident development, which is like a PEBC coach that's in their classroom periodically giving them feedback. Um, and then they have the support of their entire cohort. Uh, depending on where they are in the state. So um, I think it's really these multiple layers of support that, that's leading to our fantastic retention rate um, in the profession, which is so much higher than uh, kind of the, the educator workforce at large. John, thank you so much. And I, I think you're right. We want to hear from Nicole and Shar, really kind of hearing about their perspective. You know, we think about for both of you, Nicole and Shar, and all of the other teachers who joined our profession in the last year or two, um, you know, becoming a teacher in a pandemic and among, you know, so much social unrest um, just adds another layer to this, to this work and to, into the, the magnitude of your commitment to, to kids. But let's start by just hearing from both of you, why was the PEBC teacher residency program attractive for you as a professional and as an individual? And why did you choose the pathway that you chose? So Nicole, if you wouldn't mind starting us off, why did you go this route? Well, for myself, just like there's different ways to learn. We've learned that all kids learn differently. I'm a hands-on learner. I have to be engaged in whatever I'm doing. I mean, I did do college. I did well. But to me, like when I looked back at the time, like I was older, everything I'd gone through, I was at a point in my life where I didn't really want to go that traditional pathway through university if I didn't have to. And also, I wasn't looking to add so much more debt to what I was like at that point, what I wanted to do. Um, so I did some research, I learned about the program, but I actually had a family member who had done the program two years prior and she really talked highly of it. And she was thriving. She was doing so well as a teacher. She told me how prepared the program got her. She never felt like a new teacher when she started her year teaching by herself. She actually like did the program and almost when she was completely done, she got hired on to a school right away. I'm like, wow, this is a strong program if schools are willing to hire you before you even finish the program. Um, so if for me, it seemed like it would be, it would be interesting. So when I like did my questionnaire and I, and I talked to who was in John's role at the time, Lisa, Lisa Scott, she told me more about the program and all the things that John highlighted it just seemed like it was a right fit. I, I wanted a mentor. I wanted to be in the classroom from day one. Um, I never wanted to feel alone. And that's what the program provided was a sense of community, whether it was the peers you were working with, the students, the mentor, you never were alone in your journey, even through all the hard work, because you get so much work, but you really do feel very prepared. So that's why I chose the program. Nicole, thank you so much. So let's hear a little bit from Shar because Shar, you have a different pathway than Nicole. So why was this program or why was this teacher residency model and teacher of record um, attractive to you? So I had 
been working in education for eight years. I had been a para in a high school running a study center. I had switched to a GED program where I was an instructor and then program director on my site. And I just found that I was really limited where I could go in the field of education without teacher license. But I'm also married with four kids, some of them going through college at the time. And it's like, how can I afford and make it work to get a teacher license? So I really wanted to learn about the art of teaching. I wanted to get right into it um, while I was still able to earn an income because that was very important. And I also didn't want to take too much time. I'm further along in life than some of the others in my cohort. And it's like, I'm ready. Um, I don't want to waste time. I want to get to the meat of the education. And this program was a wonderful condensation of the skills I needed and just all the training that I would need to be successful in a school. And what I found and other TORs is that we actually ended up oftentimes in situations I had a co-teacher for algebra and um, the quality of the curriculum we were able to put together was amazing with two minds working together on it. Um, other of the TORs were put, placed in groups where if they had their own class entirely on their own, they were still with very tight planning groups. So while I was a little nervous about, I don't have all that expensive running the classroom and uh, really condensing the curriculum as you should, you have the support you need within the institution and within PEBC. So it was really the timing, it, the opportunity fell into my lap through some friends of mine um, who made me aware of it. And the reputation of BBC was incredibly strong. So I felt very comfortable pursuing it. Thank you, Shar. So, you know, I think Nicole, you and Shar both just kind of took us into like that decision-making process. Like why was this a good fit? And a little bit about your experience. But I think what our listeners really want to hear is like, how to go? Like, you know, what was that experience like for you? And so let's just dig a little bit deeper. And Nicole, if you don't mind, like, let's, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us your, your story of becoming a teacher and the kind of the, some of the support that you got through the PBC teacher residency program and what that was like for you firsthand. Well, for me, becoming a teacher, kind of like this, and what do you want to be when you grow up? Nobody ever really asked me that, and I never thought to be a teacher, because that's one role that you don't really hear kids, hey, you want to be a teacher when you grow up? And I didn't see people that looked like me, so it was never an option. But I did so much life experience working with kids as a, te as not a teacher, as a coach, as a mentor, and volunteer opportunities from kids as young as three to probably 21, like young adults. But again, teaching just never was an option. I never thought about it. And then I became a stay-at-home mom for a while, so I just wasn't working. But then tragedy happened. There was traumatic things that were just going on where all of a sudden I became a single parent and I had two little boys to take care of. And so I was like, okay, now I have to actually do something. Now I need to grow up and find a job. Um, and when I thought about it, everything that I had like experienced and the jobs that I had or the roles I had been in, teaching kind of seemed to be it. I'm like, that's where I can make an impact. That's where if I wanted to help change what's happening to people like me, then it starts with our kids because our kids are the ones that can make such a difference if they're taught the right things, if they're guided in the right direction, and they're made to believe in themselves and know what kindness is. So 
that's kind of why I wanted to go into teaching. And also it just, I I love kids and I love being a part of their growth. So that's why I got into it. Wow, Nicole, thank you so much. And I know, you know, from our conversations and getting to know you a little bit that um, you have such a big heart and you love community and you were able to really bring, you know, your whole self to your, to your residency experience. I'd love to hear a little bit about your involvement as a resident. You know, you told your, your pathway into, into teaching, but in what ways were you able to be involved in your school community? Well, the, the, the good thing about PBC is they really help you kind of find out what your strong suits are. So I realized as a teacher, my strongest skill was relationships. I'm so strong in building relationships with my students, my families, everyone in my community, my staff members. So I got involved in every way I could at my school. I became a coach in wrestling. I never wrestled a day in my life, but I'm like, you know what? I can do it. It can be the heart of teachers to learn stuff. Coaches can learn stuff. And I found um recruits like people that did know coaching in wrestling and they became my assistants and we became like a big family and I would joke like oh I'm just like you know the manager they're like no you're like the main one of our team like we need you coach and I ran a club called journey through our heritage where I helped kids you know tap into their roots and work on cultural art expression and music and it was just a different way to like work on what we wanted that time was like therapy like healing through our stories and we did we did our lunch club so kids could come during lunchtime and kind of just like unload and eat and hang out and I also was a part of the whole child team. So I was working with my peers to kind of help kind of tackle some of the problems we were seeing with our kids and our families. Because if we could kind of help on that front, we're meeting some needs that weren't being met and that would help them in the classroom in the end. By doing all of these things in my building and becoming so engaged, I didn't just know my eighth graders on my team I worked with. I knew my sixth graders and my seventh graders. I knew family members. They were inviting me to like dinners. They were coming to my lunch clubs. I had parents that never showed up to like to like meetings they were supposed to, but they came to my lunch club. It was so strange. Um, but it really helped me because I really, really got to see what the kids needed. And I learned so much from them. I always told them my learning experience was just as much theirs. Like we learned from one another. So it was, it was like magical, I guess I would say. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing both your journey into teaching, which is you know, so powerful, but then also the way in which you were able to bring some of your biggest assets into even that residency experience. I'm going to hear a little bit from Shar now. Shar, what was your journey? Um, you already shared with us that you had worked with um, youth in lots of different ways, but let's hear kind of a little bit about your personal journey and and that those initial experiences. So when I started working at the study center at another high school, um, that was a really wonderful experience. I had been working with psychological personality type with teachers for a while and how that could impact learning and teaching effectiveness. And I had gone back and I got my master's in educational psychology and I had learned about motivation and helping students to learn in their best, best way, the one that fit them most. And the study center job turned out to be an amazing job because I dealt with all students, all grades, all subject matter and able to see how they learned and what motivated them. And then I jumped from that job to one where I was working with kids who had failed in the traditional system. 
And it's not that these students are hard and capable, it was that life got in the way to their success and trying to figure out how to rebuild their skills and their hope in themselves and being able to build a life. Because when you graduate high school, it, that's not the end of education, it's the beginning of your life. It's like the launching off point. And I really wanted to go back deeper into education and I was thinking about how can I help catch those kids before they reach the point of dropping out? And how can we, I think this generation is lacking a little bit in hope for the future and a feeling of agency that they can make a difference in our world. And I think that Bernie teachers are really motivated to help them see light in themselves and see their skills and abilities and then give them additional tools so they can really go out there and do something effective. That, that may be the way we turn some of the lack of hope around in our communities. Um, so that was my personal journey and why I jumped back into actually getting the teaching degree, which was scary for me. <laughs> I knew I was really great working with kids one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't know how I could do in a classroom with a set curriculum and with all the requirements of the school system. Um, but PVC was there to help support through that whole uh, learning experience. Shara, thank you so much. And, you know, a kind of a follow-up question to your journey and to kind of your experience is you came with, you know, your master's in educational psychology. And one thing that you've shared with me that was particularly compelling for you was developing a deeper understanding of culturally sustaining pedagogy, ways in which diversity, equity, and inclusion all come together to support student agency. So, when you think about this last year for you, what was particularly compelling or supportive in your learning in that area? So culture responsive teaching was a very large part of our curriculum in the PBC program. And when I work with students, I work with each individual from wherever they're coming from. But I really wanted to understand more deeply um, the effect of culture upon learning and upon communities and how to really make education relevant for students. So by being aware of how different behaviors in students might affect how they uh, achieve in the classroom was very helpful to me. We had one group of kids who were very vocal and very energetic, and they were all from the same extended family. And it was really wonderful to not take any of that personally in the classroom, look at it as a dynamic within their family. And how could I build on that to help them engage in the math lessons that we were doing? And they would really shine when you just were able to refocus them on the content. They were able to totally jump in. They came up to the board so often and helped me teach and show the class how to do some of the math problems. And then just it really raised the engagement of the whole class. So being able to step back, take a look at where the dynamics coming from really was helpful for the teaching. We also were asked to do a child study, which was incredible, where you did a deep dive into understanding one kid in your classroom. And I had a young lady who's a spitfire, just wonderful, always getting in trouble. And it's like, again, can we like re-engage her in a way where all that energy is being put towards 
uh, growth and positive behaviors. And uh, she, she has quite a path, but she has so much talent and potential and just really excited to see where that goes. But because of that child study, I understood her better and I connected her to others in the school who also were able to uh, build on her gifts and not look at the troubling behavior. Shar, thank you. I mean, just thinking about the ways in which you just outlined or shared, um, so how some of your new learning really supported individual students and how you were able to bring some of your assets of, of having that asset stance and that positive disposition towards students' behaviors and really thinking about behavior as communication. And in many ways, um, you, being able to really, really take those those assets that the kids were showing you and, and help them kind of move that into that kind of academic focus, if you will. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit, um, maybe Nicole from you and then from Shar. Um, when you think about, you know, being a new teacher in the field, regardless of the prior experiences that you both brought, what was most supportive for your success in that first residency year in the classroom? when you kind of look back and, and think about, gosh, you know, it's, there's challenges. You are both doing challenging coursework. You are both learning a new skill set. You are both engaged in a new school community with new professional colleagues. You are both engaged in educational cohorts. So when you think back though, on that first, this last year, what was most supportive for you as growing teachers that some of our listeners might be able to tap into when they think about supporting new teachers in their buildings or for other residency professionals who might be listening and thinking about, oh yeah, that is super important. So Nicole, if you don't mind, can we start with you? Yeah, um, I feel like for me, the most supportive things as like a resident in the program were one, having my mentor. Um, mm -hmm. Again, not feeling alone. She was really supportive um, with, whether it was through content, whether it was through teaching strategies, whether it was like her allowing me to go see other teachers, like, hey, if this isn't what I'm doing, isn't working for you, I want you to check out these teachers and see what they're doing. She was very open-minded and taught me to have that open mind myself. She helped me, like, you know, if there was personal stuff, she would help me with that. But for the most part, she was there and I never felt alone. But like she told me, the two most important things you need as a teacher in general are one, your relationship skills. Because if you can build relationships with students, then you can gain their trust. And within that trust, they're willing to take risks. They're willing to ask questions. They're willing to learn. If they don't have that, they will ignore you and they will, they just act very different. I, I've seen how that goes in the classroom. But, um, those relationship skills, even with your staff members, like if you need help and you have staff members to lean on, you're never alone. And the other thing that she mentioned to me, and I really truly feel it, is mastering your content. No matter if it's math, science, social studies, whatever category it is in social studies, if you can master your content when you're in front of those kids, because sometimes it can feel scary, especially in the beginning, like you can't let them know you're scared, but you can feel terrified, like, oh my gosh, am I going to say this right? Did I say everything? Did I miss anything? They don't know. They just know you're the expert. So you can't like, you know, fake it till you make it, but you can master your content no matter if the lesson has to change in the middle of the lesson, because all of a sudden it isn't working for these students. You can do it because you've mastered your content. Wow, that is so powerful. And I think about the agency, Nicole, that you just that you just named, that idea of having those relationships with your students and having relationships with those colleagues really does mm -hmm. bolster our confidence. But then mm -hmm. also taking that time to master your content. Yes, it really does help. You don't feel so 
I don't know, new or scared, you feel like no matter what's happening, you can go into any classroom and you will be fine. Like you can, you can, you can breathe. And if the students see you confident, because they told me, they're like, miss, if you feel like you're talking passionate and you're really in it, then like we get into it. Like I always ask them their advice, guys, what do you think? They're like, miss, you need to stop being so nice. But uh, (laughs) they're, they're really good. Like you just feed off them and they feed off you and it becomes like this whole like group thing but it starts with you being com- comfortable in with what you're doing. Oh, Nicole, thank you so much. And Shar, mm-hmm. when you look back on the last year, what's most supportive? What might people take away from our conversation today that really supports those teachers who are in that first year? So when I chose PBC, it's because I really wanted to learn the craft of teaching. So I wanted to gain relevant and effective knowledge and skills for classroom management and for teaching the content. So the curriculum that PBC offers is phenomenal and every piece of it I found relevant and I would practice and use in the classroom. And it's something I'm going to continually go back to that includes lesson plans and the workshop model and different kinds of activities that you can offer in the classroom. As far as support, the cohort is amazing. Um, We have our coach, we have our mentor at the school. We've got the additional support of your group of teachers within your school. But I think I must have had 19 observations this year, which is scary and exciting. But the amount that I learned from that and the support that I felt from other teachers really helped me with my practice. So they would come into the classroom, watch how you taught, give you feedback, but it's not a kind of catch you scenario. It's one where they come into, and you know they want to make you a better teacher. And so it's built into the curriculum to have multiple, as a TOR, you have more than a resident, to have multiple observation experiences. And they come back and um, because you're being observed by veteran teachers, they're able to give you really great suggestions for activities or formative assessments on the spot. So I think that interaction and being able to watch other teachers and then have them watch you and give feedback really gave me the support and the confidence I needed that I was using the skills I was being taught correctly and well. Wow, Shar, thank you. So again, kind of a, kind of a parallel to something Nicole shared was the importance of community that having that cohort, having those that mentor and that coach, so having a network for support, but then also for you, in addition, the feedback, that being able to have that timely feedback and be able to process your growth was particularly helpful in, in a non-threatening way, right? Like you were allowed <laughs> to approximate and grow, it wasn't a gotcha or a catcha. Right, right. It's all about building skill because everyone wants you to succeed in this program. Absolutely. So I'm going to turn it over to John. And John, you know, when we think about supporting new teachers and we think about some of the work that's particularly a hallmark of PEBC, there's that kind of construct that like seeing is believing. And one thing we haven't talked about was the opportunity for teacher residents to observe other teachers. And I'm wondering if you might share a little bit about that process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, you know, uh, thinking back to the, the medical residency model, um, our residents have the opportunity a few times per year to um, engage in what we call lab classrooms. 
Um, so we have identified educators uh, all over the state um, that are really modeling best practice in, in their classrooms. And usually these lab visits will um, kind of correspond to what the, the residents are learning in the program. So they may be doing a module around um, literacy and uh, we will send them in a small group of their colleagues to a, a school somewhere, uh, typically in the Denver metro area. Um, and they get to uh, meet with what we call a lab host, which is a, a veteran um, educator. They get to engage in what's called a pre-brief where they, they learn a little bit about um, the learners that are about to walk in the door and where they're at in the you know, scope and sequence of, of study. Um, and then they just get to be there when the kids walk in the room. Um, and I think that's so special. They get to literally have a clipboard and, um, you know, notes and kneel down next to a, an educator conferring with a learner and just really absorb all that, that best practice. Um, and then afterwards, they get to debrief with that lab host. So again, it's that whole idea of residency is blending theory and practice. It's one thing to read about uh, best practice pedagogy, you know, in a book, it's another thing to really see it in action. Um, and our residents have ample opportunity to do that throughout the year. John, thank you. Um, I really love to hear about that. I always think about those lab classroom visits as like teacher field trips. You, know, we, you everyone you know, gets to the classroom and you have this opportunity to build community and then have a shared experience and then debrief that and then take it back to your own practice. So thank you for highlighting just what that looks like and sounds like for teacher residents as well. So as we wrap up our conversation today, we are all looking forward to the 22-23 school year. And um, for Nicole and for Shar, it's going to be that next year, right? Like you get this the start to the school year. Um, and for John, you will have another cohort of residents that you'll be supporting and working with. So I'm curious from all of you, what are you looking forward to? You think about this brand new school year that's just on the horizon. And John, we haven't, we haven't heard as much from you. So let's hear from you first. Um, what are you looking forward to? Sure. So, um, you know, I, I feel extremely fortunate that I authentically love what I do. Um, it, it doesn't even feel like work to me. Uh, you know, what I get to do every day is is meet with um, and support aspiring teachers. And, and I think those of us that have been in this profession um, can relate to how exciting that is to, to enter the profession. And um, it really just kind of fills my cup every day to to work with these amazing educators uh, like Nicole and Shar. Um, and so, you know, I think for me next year, it's just meeting and working with aspiring teachers from diverse backgrounds. Every time that we get an application into this program, uh, there's a story there. And, and me and my team get to really kind of dive into the story, uh, which is fascinating. Um, I mean, we, uh, this year we have a, a resident who um, was a former Division I NCAA lineman. Um, we have, uh, we got an application from uh, a person who held the Guinness world record for distance moonwalking. Um, I mean, these are just like incredible things that, that we get to uh, that we get to discover about people every day. And, and just like there's, you know, what as teachers, we want to learn the story behind our students. As recruiters to this program, we want to learn the story behind our candidates so that we can better support them in meeting their goals. So that's what I'm, I'm excited about. Wow, John, thank you. So how about Nicole? For you, when you look at this new school year, 
what are you going to be up to and what are you looking forward to? Well, I'm really excited because it'll finally be my own classroom in a sense and whatever I decide is happening. And I have five classes that I'll be teaching. So it's like, I think they said about 125 students that I'll be like getting to know. And that to me is so exciting because they're in a a point in their life where they're still, you know, they're young adults, but they still need guiding. You're getting to see the good things that are coming for them. And I just, as a teacher, I learned a lot, but I'm still learning. I'm still a lifelong learner. There's still more teaching strategies to learn. There's still more ways to help engage my students that I haven't learned about yet. So I just want to keep growing, but not just that. Um, I want to see what leadership opportunities open up for myself. When I interviewed with my principal, I did ask him, that was one of my questions, what things can I do? Because I want to start in my classroom, build with my parents and open to my community. I want to make a real impact in the lives that those that I help work with. And I've actually a part of the Teach Policy Fellowship now coming this year too, where we'll meet with legislators and work on legislation that will help teachers and students on that end. So whatever I can do to help build up my community, to help people of all sorts of um, paths, that's that's what I want to do. So I'm excited that I get a chance to do that. Oh, Nicole, we're so excited to hear about your year and the way you're supporting all of those young social scientists and the way you're taking on the world and making schools a better place for students and, and folks in the community. Thank you. Thank you for your passion. Thank you. Shar, for you, what are you looking forward to? I think about what John was saying a lot too, and like, what do you want in a job? And I am so looking forward to going back to my school next year. I love the community. The staff is amazing. They're extremely talented. They're supportive. And then there are the kids who you just love. And I think teaching, it it could be a job for some, but I think for most teachers, it's really a calling. You really feel drawn to this age group, whatever the group is, you feel drawn to the skills you're trying to teach them. And I just can't wait to work with kids to help them see their potential to help them. And I hate the word potential because it's more than that, to help them see their capability, not just what they might be able to do, but what they can do. And to really help them start dreaming about opportunities for the future and why they learn what they're learning and why they have to go through the whole school system that it's really something that they can take ownership of and to really engage in their learning and find purpose to it. Um, I look forward to staying in connection with all my PBC cohort to keep us motivated and inspired. And I really wanna explore more opportunities within the school as well. Um, I've started clubs in the past and that's always so incredibly rewarding. And I look forward to helping kids find internships and work opportunities or to start clubs that will really make them stand out when it comes to college applications. So I'm just excited to be in that wonderful, creative and exciting environment. Oh, Shar, thank you so much. And thanks for reminding all of us of, of the capabilities that all of our students have and the ways in which teachers can really help students grow in those directions. Um, As we wrap up today, I just want to thank you all so much for your time today and for sharing your hearts and your minds with us. I think that your stories were inspirational and authentic, and they just provide, I think, almost like a, I don't want to say a gateway. I think the word I'm looking for is like a peephole 
really into what is it like to be a brand new teacher? What is it like to take on a teacher residency program and, and to enter this amazing field, especially at a time where there are some, some challenges? So thank you all very, very much. Thank you so much for listening in. The Phenomenal Teaching Podcast is brought to you by PEBC, Public Education and Business Coalition, and is intended to elevate the strands of the PEBC teaching framework, which is illustrated in Wendy Wardhofer's book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, but works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. Thank you.